0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of series two of For the Love of Books, the Library Plus podcast. Hello and I'm Phil. They've had us back.
1: They have. By popular demand? By demand? By default. Okay, by default. (laughs) That sounds better.
0: This series we're going to be recording out and about in different libraries across the county. I'm really excited to see the different libraries and meet the different staff and volunteers in those spaces and find out what they're doing in their local area.
1: Brilliant opportunity. It's such a good opportunity, isn't it, to get out and about and see the on the ground, libraries on the on the ground.
0: Absolutely. And we're starting in Central Library, slap bang in the middle of Northampton on Abington Street.
1: Lovely, lovely library. I've always liked it.
0: Yeah, it's a very historical library and we're going to find out more about that in a bit. It's got some beautiful areas where you can you can see the history on the walls and the ceilings, can't you?
1: Absolutely. From where we're sat now. Just Amazing.
0: And we're also going to be joined by some really interesting guests in this series. We're talking to different people who use books and reading in different ways. And today we're going to be talking to Hayley Barton from the University of Northampton about an intergenerational reading project she's working on.
1: Yeah, a real life academic.
0: First, we're joined by David, who's Information Programme Coordinator, and Kay, who's a Customer Advisor here at Central Library. Hi. Morning, both. Hello. Hello,
2: everyone. (laughs) So, Kay, what's going on at Central Library? So, we have lots and lots going on for people of all ages, and we also have children's events, Time to Share, on every Saturday, which is 2.30 till 3.30, and that's a very popular event where we have story time and craft. We have Singing with the Children, Bounce and Rhyme and Rhyme Time, day Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. And um, we also have lots of reading challenges for adults as well, room hire, volunteering, lots and lots going on as well. It sounds a lot.
0: And I know that with the Queen's Jubilee coming up next month, you've got some events planned for that as well, haven't
2: you? Yes, it's going to be a very busy, very special month. We've got lots and lots planned. And um, for children and adults alike, so it'll be a very exciting month as well.
1: Have you actually got time to do any book work as well, then? While you're <laughs> yes,
2: oh, yeah, <laughs> we have lots and lots of books and virtual memberships, and lots going on with that as well, and lots of choice and selections and new books coming in as well. You mentioned that
0: we have adult reading challenges as well, and I remember that in one of our adult reading challenges, someone told us on Twitter that it encouraged them to go upstairs in Central Library for the first time. And a lot of people don't realise, they're just going to the the ground floor, they don't realise that we've got the upstairs and downstairs levels as well, packed full of useful resources, but also lots of visible history. I mean, I'm just looking at our beautiful ceilings now.
1: Yeah, well, we're on the top floor, aren't we? So Mm. we can see all the mouldings and everything. From And as a student years back, I used the Carnegie Room, which Uh, I you've still got yep. but it's not used. Yeah the
3: Carnegie Room for a long time was the local studies room that's true. Right, we had yeah. a big refurbishment back in about 10, 2010 and that's when all the roses and all that sort of brought out again the whole roof up the top level was refurbished as well as the ground floor but I think definitely level one which is the top floor you know you can see see the library that's most grand um, yeah absolutely. yeah and the, and the Carnegie Room itself was it was a venue you know for concerts, for talks, um, all that? Did it have of a thing. stage?
1: Was there a it stage had, or something? There is still a stage. Yeah, it's that's also
3: right. when you look up, there's a balcony where mm. I, I would imagine that if there was an orchestra, they'd be playing. So <laughs> it's a <the> good <whole> thing. <laughs> and as was, you know, and like I said, a, a number of years ago, I spoke to a customer and she said she remembered going to the <laughs> Carnegie Room discos of a Friday. can't imagine 90, that. Can you? No, in you, the no. 1970s, apparently. Any so. plans to bring them back? Um, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, you're game, Phil, we can do that. Yeah, it is
0: a lovely space, the Carnegie Room, and it is uh, available to. We call it the Carnegie Room. It is a small hall, really, isn't it? Yeah. You can get quite yeah. a lot of people yeah. in there yeah. uh, for larger events, and it would be great to be able to restore that and be able to use it as a, you know, for theatre productions and yeah, things it's like absolutely that.
3: Absolutely, perfectly set up, right in the centre of town as well. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. lovely and yeah. Kate I mean you work here do you appreciate the
1: the building history um, and we'll get David to run through in a minute but do you do you because you're here all the time do you appreciate yeah. the history of the building and the yes you know, I, architecture. I
2: love it when people we have customers who haven't been here for a long time they'll come and they'll come and speak to us and they'll notice things that have changed or they'll notice things from the history as well as so we have conversations about that as well and recently we had a local history networking event which was a really great opportunity for people to see behind the scenes at the library and it was in the Carnegie Room and they got a real taste of the local history and the resources we have and some things that hadn't always been taken out in the local history department were brought out as well so that was a good opportunity to get people thinking and talking about it again and it was very good
0: Yeah, because yeah, the, the downstairs in the library we call Discover and that mm. is our local history centre, yeah. isn't it? Mm. So yeah. there's lots of great resources isn't That's
3: there? where going from the Carnegie Room Local Studies was for a good period of time it's gone down to the ground level which was used for things like computer studies, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But that was revamped and made purpose built as well. So we have the open access where you get sort of all the local history books. Uh, And then we have just near that, we have the rule, of racking. We have a special store as well. And then we have the safes where in particular we keep the John Clare collection, which is our sort of nationally famous collection as well. We get people coming from all over the world to look at that. We had an American academic over a few weeks ago, spent the whole day looking through some resources of Mm. of the John Clare collection.
1: And how do people access those resources? Um, Well
3: if it's it's the ones that are open access basically you just uh, go in, Discovery Centre is open, slightly different opening hours from the main central library, basically it's open Tuesday to Friday 10 to 4. Uh, there's always members of staff down there so it's on open access you can just sit and look through those books if there's uh, other uh, sometimes it's more the questions people ask which means we get the books out because they don't know what they need until they ask the question then we know what we, what they oh, actually of need. Yeah. Now with this John Clare um, we do have two options of John Clare so there's the originals themselves and then the, we've got all on microfilm as well so if you just came and casually asked about wanted to see something of the John Clare collection, we would probably take people towards the microfilms. Really and truly the John Clare, the original manuscripts are for academics to look at mm. and they need to speak to us first, you know, by email. As I say, it could be anywhere in the world There's not just an interest in, in locally or nationally, it's internationally mm. as well about John Clare. And sometimes about his library as well. So if you're interested in certain poets from that time, some, it's not just him they might be interested in this, that lady was actually interested in a different poet altogether but he happened to have because we, we've got his library mm-hmm. his part of his collection was that particular poet that wow. she was actually interested in
1: but the building the building is built after obviously how, how did the collection come to it? because this building's only what a hundred odd years old it was built
3: in 1910 so that's okay. long after John Clare obviously yeah. but, um, now the collection came to us if I'm getting this right uh, his publisher was a, was a tale there's a few tailors in his life so uh, maybe a few john tailors in his life but there was a publisher and he kind of had the had his all his uh, collection afterwards and then um, that was bought and it became the beattie collection so when we hear about the so the beattie collection wasn't just john clare it was various other things as well but um we at the at northampton central library the, the, the sort of librarians at that time were interested in that so they bought the whole thing now since then parts so of it may have gone but that's how it came to it came to that sort of roundabout route so uh, like I say in the, that was probably in about 1920 I think we got that particular collection because there's a reference to it in a, a magazine that somebody asked us about so yeah, yeah. what an amazing collection to have yeah. as well
0: so you mentioned that the library was built in 1910 mm-hmm. um, it was Carnegie Library wasn't it it
3: was there was um, originally uh, the first library was um was opened in the Town Hall in 1877. Then it moved to the County J building in, in, in Guildhall Road. Um, but then um, that was all looking for a new site. And then in 1907, a competition was launched to design a new library, which was won by Mr. Herbert Norman, He was a local architect. And Andrew Carnegie, or Andrew Carnegie promised, which he delivered, I believe, £15,000 for a new library facade, and that was done in Weldon Stone. If you look at think about Carnegie building, if you think about Northamptonshire. There's there's Northampton Central, there's Rushton, there's Urchester and there's Kettering. Now Kettering, uh, they're all they're all slightly different, but mm-hmm. Kettering, Urchester and um, Rushton look more like your traditional. I come from Bangor in Northern Ireland. We have a Carnegie library there, and they look very familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, Northampton Central is a bit different, a because of the, it's not red brick for the start and it's, it's a bit more more grand as you would expect from it it's got a lovely facade on yeah, the main street doesn't it? If, yeah. if you haven't
1: seen it you must have a look at we often walk up and down the high you street without and looking and don't
3: notice it's there it's a lovely and you can also miss the four statues that are above there as well which are um have either got a local connection or one other connection which will be pretty obvious so we've got two writers, Thomas Fuller and Don Dryden. Uh, we've also got George Washington, who isn't from Northamptonshire, his ancestors were, That's right, uh, right. as we know by Solgrave Manor. And then of course, Andrew Carnegie himself, Mm. Fifteen thousand pounds gets you the statue yeah of, about having some streets so that's, i think i'll cost, start actually. saving
1: then are you, yeah. Yeah, are you tempted Fifteen thousand. pounds <laughs> now,
3: what, would that, what would that be your retirement present half, perhaps a half million or something
1: <laughs> yeah, think, you, you yeah. Some, though, yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah we'll have a, we have a collection <laughs> see if we can get a statue because <laughs> yes. we'll <do>. yeah. <laughs> obviously
3: you've been you've been with us a long time i've been working for the library service for 36 years now yes yeah, yeah. wow yeah.
0: Deserve your retirement. Yeah, there
3: won't be a 37th. <laughs> <laughs> so and okay. we should say,
0: um, David's retiring, but Kay, you're an award winner recently, aren't you? Thank you, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, recently, yes. Yeah. So you won our um,
2: West Northamptonshire Thrive Award. It was for helping someone who was very vulnerable and distressed, and it was at the end of the day, um, between Christmas and New Year, and they were facing a night sleeping rough, and we got them the information and support that they needed to get accommodation in an emergency, so they didn't have to sleep rough. And then, in the long term, they got something sorted as well from the support from 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 that they got from the library. So that was yeah. a really nice little story at Christmas and New Year. So, I was yeah. going to say it's an important time yeah. of year, isn't yeah. it for people
1: as well? Yeah, not only the weather, but. Yeah, a connection to the season.
2: Uh, yeah, and it was very difficult because not everywhere was fully open. Mm. But we there was places that he could go, and there was numbers he could contact, and there was somewhere that he could sleep. So that was a good mm. um, way of helping him as well. And
0: it's brilliant that you you were recognised for that. Mm. Our library staff are doing things like that a lot aren't they so it's important for people to know that libraries are not just about the books and the and the rhyme times and the activities Mm. and the fantastic things that we do do they're also about our very knowledgeable friendly staff who can help you so People should remember that libraries are information places and you can come in and get that help and support that you need. And if we don't know, we'll find out, won't we? Yeah,
2: we'll get the information and support there. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: And it shows how we've moved on because, like David, you were saying, about the fact that when they had the children's the first children's part of yeah, the library it was boys right. bit we, and a girls had, table and a boys that's table that's right and well
3: a, northampton central the first juvenile library as they recall, called then uh, was opened in here in 1912 and i said we've got that photograph yeah. which shows them sitting all in their sort of overcoats <laughs> looking very serious <laughs> yeah. and obviously very very disciplined about and like i say the girls were on one table and the boys were in another table
0: I how see. things
1: have moved on mm. yeah absolutely Definitely.
0: Kay, you're going to take on our challenge today to yeah. try and sell Northampton Central Library in 30 seconds. So if you weren't already convinced to come here and take advantage of everything we have got on offer, Kay's going to try and summarise that for you now in 30 seconds. Off Good you life. go.
2: Kay. Right, so we have Summer Reading Challenge, Bounce and Rhyme, Rhyme Time, Volunteering, Time to Share, BIPC, Room Hire, Volunteering, Nonfiction, Children's Library, and... Um, Lots and lots of activities, adult reading challenges, children's reading challenges. Um, we're looking always looking for homework help for volunteering, and so volunteering. Um, we have school visits, um, reception, registration, and um, room hire, and lots and lots of other things going on as well. Yay! Well done, Gaye! Well done, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Didn't take a breath.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, you can breathe now. <laughs>
0: Hyperventilating. So, come down to Central Library, take a look around you, look at the, the history, ask our staff about the history, and also um, find out about what they've got in the present and the future going on. It's a great resource here for you, right in the centre of Northampton. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Just come and have a look at the building, have a look at the facade.
0: Thanks Kay and thanks David. Thanks Thank both. You. Bye Bye so may and june's digital book club has become the big jubilee read bbc arts and the reading agency have produced the big jubilee read which celebrates great reads from authors across the commonwealth to mark her majesty the queen's platinum jubilee so they've chosen 10 books for each decade so 70 in total that must have been a really tough choice i
1: wouldn't even know where to start but what a a fascinating opportunity to read far beyond probably what you know outside of what you would normally read but what a choice What how hard to make that choice
0: but you'll be pleased phil because guess what's on that list
1: uh, there's only one book that's got to be on it hitchhikers
0: yeah hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy is on there also another book that we've spoken about a bit in series one of a podcast is the remains of the day that got on there
1: oh my chair <laughs> slightly muted on that one <laughs>
0: But there are some books that we've discussed on this podcast on that list And it's really diverse because it's celebrating authors from all across the Commonwealth There's a lot of books that you'll have heard of But there's a lot of books that you won't have heard of as well So it's great if you've got a reading group This would be a really good topic to choose for your your books To all read a different book from this list Yeah, as I
1: say, across titles you would probably never normally consider Yeah, and
0: and if you search The Big Jubilee Read and you have got a book club, they've got some discussion topics as well available for each book that you can use in your groups. So we've chosen for May, The English Patient by Michael Ondaatje as our Big Jubilee Read. And that is also going to be discussed on Between the Covers on BBC Two on the 11th of May at 7.30pm, which is the first episode of the new series. So it'll be really interesting to see what they think on their panel about that book too.
1: It's a good. It's a good title because it comes. Do you find it comes around? It's cropped up before, and then it kind of disappears a bit, and it comes up again. Yeah. So it, well, one was, of those titles that that seems to have something yeah. that draws people to to reading I mean, it, it was or discussing obviously,
0: it. Obviously, uh, re-energized with the film being released. Yeah. Wasn't of course. Um, but yes, you're right. It does keep keep cropping up. So we'll be reading that and we'll be discussing that in our June podcast and we'd love to know what you think so please do let us know do get involved on facebook at library plus reading challenge and who knows maybe your comments will be used on our next episode of the podcast
1: and it's even possible that joe and i might actually agree on a book (laughs) and like it
0: yeah you never know So as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, we're delighted this series to be joined by guests who use books and readings for different purposes. And today we're joined by Hayley Barton from the University of Northampton. Hi, Hayley. Hello. So you're starting
4: a project called Reading for Wellbeing, aren't you? I am, yes. Reading for Wellbeing is a initiative that ourselves at the University of Northampton and you um, at Northampton Library are collaborating on. The idea behind the project is that it's going to facilitate a intergenerational reading group so that older adults, those that are kind of 65 and over, will read alongside young children. Brilliant and we are
0: always advocating reading with children because we know that's really beneficial A lot of adults that can't read say it's because they weren't read to as a child and there wasn't books in their home. But you're looking
4: at it for and the benefits to the older people as well, aren't you? Absolutely, yes. So um, my research background very much focuses on the cognitive health and well-being of older adults in the community. And absolutely kind of shared reading, of course, it has benefits for the children in terms of improving kind of their literacy and their confidence with reading, Mm. but also it can have some really nice benefits for the cognitive health of older adults as well. Brilliant. How does it benefit the older adults? So there's been quite a lot of research done in in this area, coming from both the angle of the younger child and their kind of reading improvement, and also of the older adult. Um, So, for example, in America at Penn State and in Scotland at the University of Stirling, and what we find is that with older adults there's a kind of a few channels where it can improve cognitive health one of which is obviously targeting something called cognitive reserve which is built via lots of different avenues one of which is kind of social engagement so you know being out in the community and developing those networks Mm. and of course we're talking
1: chemical networks physical neural networks or
4: so that's kind of the biology of it that by engaging in kind of social activities throughout one's life we build something called cognitive reserve okay yeah. um so this can be through like i say social activity um, which includes kind of reading and um mm. being like in a community hub like this but also you know unfortunately kind of socioeconomic status plays a part definitely years of formal education plays a part and these reserves ultimately mitigate co- later cognitive decline, and that's quite a robust finding in the literature. So we certainly expect that you know by um, having older adults well engaged in the community, we can expect to improve some of those reserves. So that's certainly one way that we hope we can improve cognitive health. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Is it? Are you linking it to medical conditions, or are you you hoping that you can prevent certain conditions developing, or? Do you think it might help existing conditions? or?
4: So my research really exclusively focuses on um, healthy cognitive ageing. Okay, yeah. So those that age kind of in the absence of you know, dementia, mild cognitive impairments. Mm. So yeah, I mean, that's a whole kind of other research area is yeah, how we could sure. potentially, you know, slow down the symptoms of dementia, mm. which is, of course, a... a, a Massive area at the minute because we have a very rapidly aging population, which is, you know, eventually 40, 50 years. We've got, you know, a massive public health crisis on our hands. Anything that we can do to ultimately slow down some of those declines, um, even within kind of a healthy health span, Mm. is important. Brilliant. So how are the groups going to work? So what we're kind of hoping for is that we're going to have um, children, so we have a lot of networks via the university with local kind of primary schools yeah. and um, they're going to be reading alongside a per older adult, so they'll be kind of with the same per throughout the study mm. and they'll be reading for, you know, a, a relatively short period of about an hour, once yeah. every couple of weeks here at the library space, um, over a period of several months and we're going to monitor improvements to both cognitive health so measuring specific cognitive domains that we're interested in and also getting some kind of what we call qualitative feedback Mm. verbal feedback ultimately yeah um on their experience and how they feel that it might have improved their well-being brilliant so they're reading and will they also be chatting as well Absolutely, yeah. I, think, I think that's kind of one of the key things that's come out of the research, the limited research I should say that's been done so far, is that it's not about the older adult teaching the child to read mm. but it's more about that shared experience and having those conversations about the material that they've read and you know what they enjoyed it mm. um, and these kind of like informal just chats I guess mm. um, can be real you know relationship builders mm. um, and can be just as just as influential yeah, absolutely
1: you say there isn't a lot of research at the moment. Did mm. you see this as being an area that is going to expand a lot? It's going to become very important as a preventative, perhaps, like you say, for?
4: yeah. so so my um doctoral research looks at lifestyle intervention for cognitive okay. health, yeah. and I think lifestyle intervention as a whole is a massively emerging topic. Because, of course, we know that in terms of developing cognitive impairment, genetics play, of course, quite a big role there. Things that we don't have too much control over.
1: But but I'm 55, so the the things you're talking about, Mm. I now discover I'm walking to a room and forget what I walk into the room for. So I'm I'm leading towards (laughs) other things that you can do without being part of the project that are going to help me.
4: Yeah, so I guess, I mean, I'm glad you asked, because this is my kind of research topic, so I love talking about this. Um, But absolutely, there are. There are lifestyle factors that are really important in, as we touched on earlier, building this idea of cognitive reserve and strengthening our kind of cognitive abilities throughout life. So, for example, physical activity is a massive indicator of kind of cognitive maintenance. We know that being physically active or specifically avoiding being sedentary mm. okay. it's really important yeah. as are things like having a healthy habitual diet so mm. our food intake is important you might have heard of kind of research that looks at things like the Mediterranean diet yeah, um, yeah. you know the avoidance of kind of a lot of red meat and and um, intaking lots of fresh fruit and veg and reducing bad cholesterol and things like that mm. um, have been found to be preventative And a kind of newer area that my research focuses on is also our sleep quality. Ah, okay. Um, So, you know, how well we can improve our sleep quality and the link between sleep and cognitive health. Mm. Um, We know that sleep is restorative. It serves restorative purposes for the brain. It clears what we call neurotoxic waste Mm. that are kind of damaging toxins in the brain that Mm. are not good. It clears that. It's good for memory consolidation and things. Mm. But the specific kind of Um, pathways improve cognitive health are still relatively underexplored so that could be another area Mm. so so yeah going back to your question I think lifestyle intention is is massive and whilst I'm not suggesting that you know reading together for a few weeks is going to halt dementia I definitely think as you know implementing all of these things that can Mm. keep us well for longer is hugely important
1: is a possibility that you can that by doing this you can undo any damage that you might already have done, or by changing lifestyle mm. and, and doing things like intergenerational, do you? Is it possible to to turn back the clock slightly?
4: I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to make a claim. Um, there is yeah a researcher at Harvard, David Sinclair. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter, he makes some very bold claims. You could say, <laughs> and he would argue yes you can turn back ageing. He's looking at kind of new drugs and okay. research um, that he, he, he believes we can turn back that biological clock. Um, I guess I'd make a bit more of a kind of tentative suggestion that maybe we could slow down yeah. um, some of those declines. But ultimately, more research is needed, as ever, because what we find, and it's perhaps based on, you know, when we do this research, we use limited samples. Just simply because you can't sample every single person in your trial, mm. um, and so we find mixed mixed results. Ultimately, mm. some studies that use lifestyle interventions find really positive findings, mm. where you think, "Gosh, you know, implementing these um, interventions could be could be fantastic." Mm. Um, others find less kind of amazing findings, um, but but tis the nature of research really that we need to sort of really replicate a lot of this work to see how robust that effect is Mm. and the size of it these groups are going to be held in our library which is
0: brilliant Um, and when you're talking about the different things that people can do for their lifestyle Mm. it struck me that libraries have got a lot on offer for people if they want to make those changes we have walking groups for example we have Mm. lots of socialising activities that people can take part in, in the library. And obviously they can read in the library. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do have intergenerational
4: groups as well in some of our libraries too. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of social interaction. Exactly. It is. It's massive. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even spoken about the impact that COVID has on these Mm -hmm. things or has had and will continue to have the amount, just anecdotally, the amount of participants that I have. And when we get chatting, they say that they've really seen, or they perceive to have seen a change to their cognitive health mm. over the period of Covid mm. is, is is quite startling. You know, a lot of my participants engage in lots of different community groups and they're quite active, they go to you know health classes and so on and so forth and of course Covid has halted mm. many of those groups. Of I think the impact of that perhaps won't be felt for And I think sometimes people can be tentative as well about
0: coming out. We've noticed that our libraries are quieter um, since Mm -hmm. COVID than they used to be before. The numbers are building back and we do encourage you to come in, but some people aren't confident still to come out. So we are launching something called Reading Friends. It's a way that over the telephone, people can use reading matter as a a discussion topic, if you like, and and have that social interaction
4: over the phone um, if they don't want to come out. Absolutely. I mean, you know, getting older is I always say um, there are certain things that are age associated rather than age determined. And I see that massively with my participants. I have some participants that are, you know, into their kind of late 80s and they're, you know, still engaging um, in all sorts of different physical activities, social activities and the like. Mm. Um, But of course, getting older is associated with changes to our kind of physical health. Mm. And so there are barriers to coming out and getting out that we, you know, have to kind of be aware of. Um, so I think things like the group that you said, where you know you, you can still have those social links, but without perhaps having to walk into town, mm-hmm. or um, they're they're so important, yeah. vitally important. So um, you're focusing on the benefits for the
0: older people in Mm. this project. Are you looking at the benefits to the children at all?
4: Yeah, so um, we're quite lucky that we work with obviously a quite multidisciplinary team at the Mm. University of Northampton and in our department we have, you know, researchers with with some real kind of wide range of interests. So um, on our team, um, we have my colleague, uh, Dr. Josephine Shen wilson um, and she is an educational psychologist mm. and as part of that, um, she's very interested in kind of literacy of children. Mm. So absolutely her interest in that project would certainly be, um, you know, benefits to the children. Yeah. Well, it sounds fascinating and I can't wait to find out what happens.
0: Do you practice what you preach? Do you read? Are you an avid reader?
4: I am an avid reader. <laughs>
1: I, think, I know time is always
0: difficult.
4: I, <laughs> I would it. say, yeah, I would say unfortunately a massive part of my you know, academic yeah. role is reading. Yeah. And so um, a lot, I, I'm reading constantly, all day, every day. I try and make time to, and people would probably be surprised at what I read because <laughs> in my own time, Oh. I would just like to read things that are quite, you know, easy going and. Uh, oh, you're like
0: me. Um, <laughs> you
4: know, not too, not too like labour intensive or yeah. like thought intensive. Good. Um, yeah. Kindred spirit at last.
1: You'll read a few heavy going novels and then I will do that. I will read something that's so light, mm. and I say it's like washing my brain. It's like having put my brain in yeah. a washing machine, and then I, yeah. I can come to another book.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's reading for different purposes. Like you say, it you is. read for work and you research and everything, but then you also read
4: to relax and escapism, and and the yes. lighter books are great for that, aren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, when when I'm reading, you know, some new research papers, then. You know they're, they're quite difficult sometimes mm. um particularly when it's kind of just outside your you know research remit and you come into terms with lots of new terms and words that you've not heard of and mm. um yeah that's quite a different scenario right than just when you're Absolutely. at home and you want to unwind
0: so we've talked to you briefly about your reading habits we'd like yes. to ask you our quick fire question okay <laughs> are you ready for this go okay. on
4: <laughs> paperback or hardback oh if I'm spending money, paperback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Bookmark or fold down the
4: corners? Oh, fold down the corners. I know. I know. My partner goes mad. He says, oh, Haley, you're ruining the book.
0: Have dinner with your favourite author or with your favourite character?
4: Oh, character. Yeah. yeah. Who is your favourite character? Well, whoever you're reading at the moment. I'm reading um, Where the crow dad yeah, yeah, and i love, love that the book, and they're yeah. making that into a film aren't they, like, Are they? but it's, it's never the same no, is it never the same no. um but she's a very interesting character. but she's a wonderful character yeah. so yeah she's a good one at the minute definitely read
0: by a fireside or at the seaside
4: seaside
0: classic or young adult novel
4: um young adult most of the time <laughs> library or bookshop library different. Oh, <laughs> yeah physical book or ebook physical book yeah good writing or great story mm. great story yeah yeah historical novel or futuristic historical definitely our <laughs> last right. question plot driven or character driven plot driven a poor plot ruins everything doesn't it yeah it does yeah. Well, I think we should go for a coffee, because <laughs> it's true. very I similar, yeah, yeah.
2: definitely yeah. have Hayley back.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, and we definitely so want to hear how it's yeah. going, yeah. and um, yeah, just keep an eye out on our Facebook pages, our Twitter pages, to find out more about the project when it's underway, how you might want to get involved in that. Thank
4: you so yeah. much, it's
2: been lovely
0: to chat, thank you very thank much. You. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this episode but next month we're going to be recording at desborough library aren't we
1: oh crikey that's right in the north of the county i know we travel and it, far and wide
0: and it's a community managed library so it'll be really it interesting is, yeah. to find out what they're doing and what groups they're running that kind of thing
1: yeah they're a good group as i say they've been very successful up there and uh, yeah be interesting to, to get their perspective
0: definitely we'll also be joined by katherine Coe, who's the founder of all stories and that's a free mentorship program for underrepresented children's authors So it's going to be really interesting. She's going to tell us about that programme, how you can apply to be part of it and get that free support.
1: Excellent, yeah, that'd be good.
0: If you want us to automatically appear in your podcast feed, please do subscribe and do follow us on Twitter at Library Underscore Plus, on Facebook at Library Plus Reading Challenge and we're also on Instagram at Northhance Libraries. And They're great resources to find out what is happening in your local library and what you can take part in. Absolutely, yeah. See you next time.
2: Have a good time.